Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Today we bring you another special episode from one of our workshops at our News of Wired conference this week. You will find out what steps you can take today to protect your career in the event of a worst case scenario. You'll hear from Penelope Jones, someone who has spent 17 years in the media world, holding leadership and strategic roles at The Guardian and Condé Nast. She is now the founder of her own career development company called My So-Called Career. It's a painful thought, but what would be the worst thing that could happen to your career in the next 12 months? And should that happen, what would you actually do? We are living through very uncertain times, and that will be the key theme of today. How do you embrace uncertainty, become truly resilient, and be able to respond if worse comes to worst? I'm going to be going through all of this with you today, so there is some real soul-bearing from me. But really, the point of this is protecting you. The focus is, can we lay the groundwork now so that it's easier to pick up the pieces should the unthinkable happen? Don't go anywhere. The highlights are all to come. Grab a pen and paper for this one, you might need it. But first, here's something to put into your diary that you don't want to miss. As well as great editorial content and virtual conferences, journalism.co.uk also provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. Make 2021 the year of upskilling yourself. On the 11th of January, we are running a four-week online course for creating shareable news videos for social media. And that's led by Cassie Show, an award-winning journalist and audience strategist and the former audience development editor at BuzzFeed News and Quick Take by Bloomberg. For this course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. COVID came along and forced us all into the kind of eye of this storm in one way or another. So that's Penelope Jones, founder of My So-Called Career. We are faced with economic upheaval, digital disruption, cost saving, redundancy, a fast moving and shrinking job market, increasing levels of anxiety, isolation, mental health issues. And it's hardly surprising with all of that that things have never, ever felt so uncertain. Uncertainty is the apt word today, and one of the key things we will talk about and wrestle with, particularly in regards to our own career trajectory. In times of COVID-19, it feels like anything could happen to our careers. The question is, is it possible to prepare ourselves if our careers take a massive hit in the near future? My favourite quote about uncertainty is from an utterly, utterly awesome woman called Julia Samuels. Julia Samuels is a psychotherapist and she has a recent book called This Too Shall Pass. And honestly, if I could make that one book recommended reading for everyone who has had to live through 2020, I would do it. It would be worth it. Um, But so she says, when we let go of certainty, we open the door to hope. And I think that's such a lovely way of reframing uncertainty from being something negative, from being something terrifying, from being something that happens to us, that is imposed on us, to actually being something positive, something that actually we might want to seek out. We seek out hope. Hope reassures us. Hope gives us comfort, you know, and so actually thinking there is a reframing where uncertainty is not all bad. That gives us a really nice foundation to start working from. I think this is a major point because when you're living in certainty, you definitely become settled. You might stop pushing yourself to bring out your full potential. 
stop holding yourself to higher standards, you become comfortable and maybe complacent. Embracing uncertainty to become stronger is an interesting concept, so let's start to think about something uncomfortable. It's not like embracing uncertainty means just take life as it comes and ride every punch that comes at you. Really, it means being resilient. And the first task is to take some time to work through your definition of resilience. What does it mean to you to be resilient? While you mull that over, here's a few definitions from our News Wide delegates. It could be a skill acquired through doing, not something that's taught, to come out of a horrible situation and realise that the world keeps spinning and life goes on. It could be to take on daunting work challenges despite fear or panic of how that task might pan out. It could be maintaining your personal values in the face of adversity, doing the right thing. It could be something deliberate, like learning what skills are needed to cope with future scenarios, like stress testing, gauging the strength of a system in adverse conditions. And for me, I think it's about seeing a job through, getting a task over the line, despite setbacks and even some resistance against you. So just take a few minutes, reflect on a few of those definitions and just in your mind, come to terms with what resilience means to you. This next exercise or this first exercise is actually going to be about how can we create confidence in our resilience? How can we build our resilience muscle when we don't need it so that it's strong and there for us? when we do. So my definition of, of resilience, when I talk about it, I say it's being able to deal with the unforeseen. When we use our resilience muscle, we become more elastic. We are able to almost harness the energy of the things that throw us off balance and use that to bring ourselves back. So actually kind of just thinking exactly what is sending you flying, that is what is going to help you to bring you back. So rather than thinking that, you have to kind of wait to be thrown to the bottom of the cliff. And then you have to find your way back up. It's actually, well, how do I use the energy that knocked me down to help bring me back up again? So it becomes kind of a, a cyclical approach. And one of my, my favorite elements of resilience is that every time we use our resilience, it adds to our story. Um, so one of the things I really love to, to think about, um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with um, Kintsugi, and it is the Japanese art um, of mending broken pots with beautiful golden lacquer to turn them into something new. And so the, the term, when you translate it, means artfully fixed and not rejected. And so when I think about our acts of resilience, those acts of resilience are the golden lacquer that we use to kind of rebuild our pieces and reshape ourselves and turn ourselves into um, something bigger, something that is informed by all of the experiences of our past rather than controlled or dominated by them. Let me just extend this metaphor for a second. Pots break. It happens, especially when you use them. If you leave a pot in a cupboard, yes, it's safe and they never get damaged but it gathers dust and it never gets used for its intended purpose. Once you get it out of the cupboard, there's always the chance it gets damaged. It can get chipped through use, or worse, it can get knocked off the side and smashed. I'm not trying to be too profound with this point, because, let's be honest, most of us will just replace the pot, but it depends on how expensive it was, right? Actually, that's the point. If it's really valuable to us, like our careers, the job which keeps us going and gives us purpose, 
we can also mend things when they break, but only if we've gone out of the way to buy the golden lacquer and acquired the skills to mend it or taken it to someone who can repair it. And that's kind of where we're headed now, preparing ourselves for the worst case scenario. And that's where we start. What is the worst case scenario? We again need to bring up some painful thoughts. For this next part, you might need to go and grab a pen and paper, or you can mentally jot it down too. I want you to think about what represents your smashed pot. What are your unthinkables? Something which could realistically happen to you in the next 12 months from a career point of view, which has the potential to derail you, throw you completely off course. If we want to turn a crisis into an opportunity, surely we must first understand what the crisis is. So come up with at least one for me. For lots of us, it's sickness and disability, or some way to physically prevent us from working. That's a terrifying thought, right? Many of us, it could be your business going under, or the company you work for going bust. This isn't about spending our entire life expecting the worst or worrying about the worst. This is really, it is just a tool to say, you know, and it's, it's about working your resilience muscle. So saying, these things I normally don't like to think about, when I force myself to think about them, what might I do? And just getting to that sense where actually you feel that, you feel more confident that there is a backup plan. And so, you know, we had here making a mistake in your work, being stuck at home for weeks and weeks, which resonates with all of us, you know, this sense of sickness. So the kind of toolkit that you have to be able to fall back on when these things happen is massive. You know, we don't think about a resilience toolkit. So, you know, it's not something that we're familiar with. Um, we might be more familiar with the idea of a mental health toolkit, but a resilience toolkit doesn't feel very natural to us. And so I think there are kind of three areas in our resilience toolkit. There are our self-knowledge, which is our sense of our strengths, our skills, our expertise, our values. These are all ways of understanding ourselves, of communicating ourselves that we can draw on. The second is our career community. So our understanding of ourselves as part of a bigger whole, thinking of who are the people in your career community, rather than just a network, which is, you know, you might have 5,000 connections on LinkedIn or 500 friends on Facebook, but actually thinking who are the people that are there in your community who can challenge you, who can advocate for you or speak for you in rooms that you're not in? Who are the people who can connect you to other people? Who are the people that can broadcast on your behalf? And then the third sort of chunk of this is thinking about your own goals and possibilities. So if we are not passive in our careers, if we are active in our careers, we think, what would I like to see in my future? Or what am I curious to explore? in my future. We start to be able to develop responses to our predictions of unthinkable things. I'm a parent, so my immediate thought is, what if something happens to my partner? I then have a four-year-old to look after whilst juggling my career and the obvious bereavement that comes with that. So hit pause if you need to, and when you've got one in your mind, keep listening to Penelope's next instructions. So if you've all got kind of one thing 
one unthinkable that might perhaps happen in the next 12 months, I want you to think about what are the tools that you've got. So write yourself down three columns, one entitled me, one entitled you, and one entitled the future. And just again, we're just gonna take a couple of minutes and start thinking about what are the things that you can fill in under me? What are your strengths? What are the things that you are uniquely qualified to do? Uh, what are the things that people come to you for? The things that you take for granted because they're not challenging for you, they're not hard for you, they're just exciting and fun to do, but the other people go, oh my God, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this, I find this so hard. What are the things which over the course of your career you've learned, you know, whether they're skills, whether they're attributes, whether they are ways of doing things, ways of navigating situations, thinking about the jobs that you've done, the experiences that you've had, what does that all ladder up to? How do you start thinking about how do you communicate these things? But also, what have you learned from them that you could transpose into different situations? And we start thinking, actually, when we're kind of, when we pull all of these things apart, we can see some of the things that we can start to fall back on when things maybe don't go the way that we want them to. And then your you column, this is about starting to think about that bigger whole. Who are the people in your community? Who are the people that are gonna challenge you? Who are the people that will see your skills and your strengths in a different light? And you know, maybe uh, open up new opportunities to you, open up new ways of thinking for you. And we're gonna just park the future for a couple of minutes, but just have a think about popping down a couple of bullet points in your me and you columns, and you can kind of start fleshing that out. So first things first, don't worry if you struggle to fill in the columns. That's kind of the point to reveal where you can improve your resilience toolkit. Second, talking about strengths is hard. I don't like doing it at all. It comes at the risk of looking arrogant, but I will do this with you. So three columns, me, you, and future. Me, what are my skills? Well, let's take one example and let's be meta about this. I host a podcast, you're listening to it. Um, with that, I think that comes with a few skills. Usually, first of all, I have to identify, hopefully, interesting guests for you, my listeners. So a new sense is the primary skill there. I have to reach out if it's a new contact, put myself across well, invite them on, explain clearly and concisely the process involved. Those are logistical skills as well as professional ones. I have to do my homework, research the guest, come up with good questions and relevant areas of discussion. So research and preparation. I have to book them in and get guests interviewed, often around their tight schedules and our weekly deadlines. I'm often doing this a week in advance. Organisational skills. Um, I have to interview them well, make it conversational, not just a stale Q&A. No one wants to listen to that. Social skills, interviewing skills. There's technical skills, recording them well, usually remotely. Recording myself from home, always fun. Post-producing the show, editing the audio. And then there's just the writing and speaking skills too, scripting my parts, delivering them well. And at the end, I always try to summarise a few takeaways for you as well. So once you have a few skills in mind, who can vouch for you? Sure, my editor can vouch for me. She listens to them all and makes sure they all go out on time. Former colleagues too, but really think about those outside of your immediate work circle. For me, some of the guests themselves 
often they are podcasters and good contacts. So I'd like to think it will be viable that I can go back to them one day and say, remember that time you were on the show? And outside of that, I've met people at events who have said they check out the show, always humbling, and they're quite well plugged into the podcast world. So a few of those come to mind. The question is, what are on your two columns? So take a few minutes to fill out that me column and the you column. And then once you've done that, crack on with these next set of instructions. Those points in your columns are essentially the tools in your toolkit. And once you've got tools in your toolkit, you can start thinking about what actions you can use them to take or what actions you can start to work toward to build confidence in your resilience toolkit. So some examples might be, you might look at the people that you've got in your community, in your you column. Start thinking about maybe either you found it very hard to put names into that column, or maybe you found it very easy to put people who will support you, but very hard to find people who will challenge you. you know, so start thinking about the balance of people. And communities are something that we can always nurture when we don't need them so that they're there for us when we do. And so an action that you might start thinking about taking to build your resilience muscle um, is nurturing your community. Are there people that you can start to reach out to now when you don't need them so that if the unthinkable were to happen in a year's time, you've got a stronger base to be able to reach out to. Another really nice one is to think about uh, on your me column, we only see one lens on our strengths. We only see one lens on our what we see as our potential. So can you ask people for some feedback on how they see you? Um, a really nice example of this, somebody told me the other day was um, what's written on my t-shirt. So if you go to a whole bunch of people who know you in really different ways, who experience your skills and your strengths in different ways and say to them, you know, what's written on my back? What is the word that sums up how you perceive me? Because that can give us real insight into whether or not our intention and our uh, perception are in alignment. Sometimes we can really learn from how other people see us. And sometimes it's a positive and we go, oh my God, that's amazing that you see me like that. And I would never have thought that. But the reverse is also true. Penelope says that this feedback can reveal whether people perceive you in a way that you don't want to be seen. And that gives you something to correct or work on. So before I had mentioned that a part of podcasting is explaining the logistics of the show to guests ahead of time. Now, I would just hate for that to have come across as patronising, for example. I do what I can to make it as straightforward as possible for guests, but it's possible that they've felt spoken down to or that I've done things down a bit too much. Things can come across in the wrong way. One of my actions could be asking for feedback from certain guests that I have on. Plus, the other way I look at it is, in the long list that I'm required to do to get a podcast done from start to finish, yes, I can identify all the skills that were needed there, but I don't really have much gauge on how well I've done each task individually, and which were better than others. My editor can give me some indication, that's true. My audience can give me some feedback as well. A mentor, which I currently lack, could really be what I need to better understand my strengths and weaknesses, though. I have been given guest feedback before, though I didn't ask for it, and it was a real confidence boost and useful to know, yeah, you know, I can do that, I am good at that. And I imagine over time, if guests are really reflecting a particular skill, that's confirmation of my strengths and that will be useful. So what are the actions do you think you can take 
to link your own skills to your community? Mine is always to have career conversations with people. Um, we get very, we can get very myopic when we think about just our work and our careers. And actually one of the best things that we can do and, and often one of the most fun things we can do is ask other people about their work. When we work in a sector like media where a lot of what we do is really, really transferable, we have skills, we have strengths which can be really valuable to other people. And so actually connecting with people and just going, I'm really interested in what you do. Uh, and, you know, actually getting to that sense of the more conversations you have about what other people do and about what you do and about where the points of flexion, the points of connection are, the bigger you make your realm of possibility. And having a big realm of possibility is a massive help, a massive way of using our resilience muscle. So actually, you know, um, when we have certainty, you know, we are really, really um, drawn to the available, the tangible and the accessible. You know, so when we when we have a world of certainty, we have a good job market or a solid job market, um, we apply for jobs. We see jobs, we apply for them. We go, oh, I think I could do that. I'm going to apply for that. When we are driven more by uncertainty, we think about best case scenarios and worst case scenarios and what are the actions that I can take to negate the worst case scenarios and make the best case scenarios more feasible, more possible to you know, make them feel a bit more tangible. We can really gain from that. And often the way that we tap into those best case scenarios, the things that we're really scared of, because, you know, it's all very well to say, oh, I'm scared of this thing that might happen to me. But often, like, success is something that scares us far more than, than failure. Actually talking about embodying the stuff that we would love to make happen, but we're terrified. You know, that, that's really deep rooted fear. And actually talking to people and creating these sense of communities and curious conversations rather than need-based conversations can really, really help us to tap into that hope side of uncertainty. By this stage, you will have a blank future column staring back at you, and we can start to fill that in now. This is really about being open to new possibilities and embracing an uncertain future. Start to fill in future possibilities based on the many transferable skills, strengths, experiences and interests that you have highlighted and identified. Frame it like this. If I was not doing this, I would be fill in the blank. Now, I'm not suggesting to switch industry altogether or to take a radical career move. Maybe it's a department shift. Maybe it's going freelance when the idea of being self-employed terrifies you. I don't know. But in a worst case scenario, what skills and contacts could you fall back on if your company went bust, you fell on hard times and you had to move back to your parents, or if you had to become a single parent and crucially what job would come out of that scenario, that transition becomes easier when you start to build the framework before you need to. You have a plan B ready to go or some calls ready to make. What's more, in a moment like that, when you're trying to sort your head out, navigate through the chaos, you know, you can't think clearly about a new viable job route. That's where I can really see the value of embracing uncertainty. Now, this is not a cop-out, but my future column is a bit bare. And this is where this test has really given me something to think about. So the question becomes, what seeds can I sow now to give me a few more options in the event of a worst-case scenario? Penelope says this is about entertaining conversations that we might otherwise shut down. But just thinking, is there a commitment that you can take to bring possibility closer 
or to expand your realm of possibility, whether it's a conversation, whether it is an action, whether it is, um, you know, a, a, a way of connecting to something. Because maintaining a resilience workout schedule, actually challenging yourself explicitly to explore the unthinkable, we're better prepared to react. And challenging the limiting beliefs that prevent us from exploring that realm of possibility, you know, that ensures we're not just able to stop uncertainty from stopping us in our tracks, but we can actually use it as a catalyst to think, you know, a, a real unthinkable that a lot of us have is just, if I wasn't doing this, what would I do? And we very rarely want to think about that. We find that really challenging. And so the one thing that I would love for all of you potentially to, to go away about and, and, and think about it's just that one question. If I wasn't doing this, what might I do? What might be possible? You know, these are some of the tricks and tips that I think we can all be doing, the questions we can all ask ourselves to really build our resilience. Thanks to Penelope for running that great workshop. I hope it was instructive for you at home. And I really took a lot out of this talk. Not least just realising how inadequately prepared I am for a worst case scenario, which is quite scary, and really plotting out that roadmap of actions that I can take now to future-proof myself. I said that being resilient is getting a job done despite adversity. You might have a different definition. So my question becomes, how can I move forward in my career if the worst possible conceivable adverse reality does happen? I challenge anyone else to start thinking about that too, as well as just starting to put the pieces in place and fill up those columns. What are my skills? Who are my contacts? And how can I leverage these to give me more options during crisis mode? If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the podcast or speak at our next News Ride conference, then I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for today, I'm afraid. But join us again next week. Thank you so much for listening. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time. <laughs>